Wow. Paisley and pink. Was there something wrong with the fishnet tank top? Obviously not. I'm wearing it underneath. Kidding. Just chill, please. I'm sorry. I just want to make a good first impression. You mean you want to fit in and not terrify the villagers? No, hey, come on. Today is about Lily, all right? We, her future best friend might be in that class, and I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way. Can you please just change your shirt? Fine. You know what? I'll just go put on a pair of khakis, maybe a polo shirt, and everybody will think we're a couple straight golfing buddies who just decided to have a kid together. Hey, it's Ben Bailey-Smith here. And Sasha Bates. And get your massive shirt cuffs ready, because this is the podcast where we put your favourite fictional characters into therapy. Sasha tries to piece together what might have happened in their life thus far, and with that in mind, Sasha... Welcome back once more for another week and tell us about this incredible couple. Oh, yeah, that was Cam and Mitch, one of the couples from the brilliant comedy Modern Family. And you can hear they're just how different they are. I mean, Cam is so full on and over the top, both in his clothing choices and sort of everything else about him is, is over the top and loud and out there and, and huge. And, and Mitch, his partner, is endlessly trying to kind of calm him down. And yeah, they've just adopted Lily, their little baby daughter from Vietnam. So they are very different. And it's really interesting to look at how a relationship can work when they're so different. Mm. This is a series that I loved straight away it was my my elder daughter who got me into it it's quickly become a bit like when we were talking about Seinfeld the other week you know one of those shows you can sort of put on at any time and I guess the big difference is it has this huge heart right you get to a point at the end where it kind of wraps things up in that traditional almost like 1950s American TV way of going hey you know at the end of the day we all love each other and yet I don't hate it. It feels like a shot in the arm that you need in a, in a cynical world. And I think obviously the way that they get away with it is because it is extremely funny, extremely regularly. It's very, very consistent. I think the only thing that maybe doesn't work for me is the sort of mockumentary. It feels strangely dated, like as if they thought, well, the office really works, so let's do that. It doesn't really need it. I'm basically, I'm glad you've chosen Mitch and Cam because they are probably the two characters that make me snort with laughter the most. The combination of them, I just find hilarious. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I love them. I think they're great. And it's so great to have a gay couple sort of centre stage and for that not yeah, to be a real issue. I mean, it comes up and they do talk about it, but it's not like full of angst or worry. No, or... they sort of use the dad, don't they? Use Mitchell's dad as the sort of, oh, God, gay people doing gay things. Yeah. He's like the voice of old America in a way. He is, and I think they are just such a celebratory couple, and especially mm. with adopting Lily and seeing <laughs> how that changes their relationship. It's brilliant. But I actually like the mockumentary bits. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't, I don't not like them, the mm. interviews. I'm just saying it would still be great without them, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. It would, although I wonder whether the reason it doesn't become all sort of schmaltzy and we all love each other and why it isn't irritating is because in those interviews they are sort of like giving little sidelong glances. 
Yes, and okay. I love how it depicts all these different types of family, obviously the gay family, the blended family with Jay, the dad, marrying a, a much younger woman from a different culture and having to sort of deal with a stepson, and then the more traditional one uh, with Claire and, and, and Phil. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point, actually. They give you lots of different examples of what a family can look like. Yeah. And if this was poorly written, it would feel probably really woke mm. and people would be like oh right so there's a gay couple starring it and they've got a Vietnamese daughter yeah. oh wow this is just <laughs> like liberal heaven but actually <laughs> what you see is a lot of misplaced prejudice and even like borderline racism from mm. Cam and Mitch around having a Vietnamese mm. kid they don't really know how to deal with it which I think is what's way more truthful and, yeah. and a bit braver than having like oh they're a gay couple and they're so woke that they've yeah. got a Vietnamese kid they make a lot of mistakes around being white people adopting a child of color which I think is kind of a brave thing to yeah. put in a family show. And they all make loads of mistakes yeah, and yeah, I think that's do. what's really do, yeah. sweet. We watch them having to kind of like row back and kind of having to forgive each other and having to like learn to cope with each other's clumsy behaviour. Yeah. Coming up then we're going to ask what makes you a feeler or a dealer and we're also going to explore why Mitch is so desperate to fit in and why Cam cries on a whim. Whilst the show we're discussing is actually, as we've established, pretty wholesome and sweet, we do describe issues in an adult way, and I am prone to a naughty word or two, as I'm sure you know. So please accept this warm family hug of, uh, of a language warning. And most of all, welcome to Shrink the Box. Okay, not a massive recap needed here, thankfully. But for those of you who need a little reminder about Modern Family, uh, here we go. It features three different types of families, nuclear, blended and same-sex, as Sasha mentioned earlier. And they all live in the Los Angeles area. And they're all related through this wealthy business owner named Jay Pritchett. And his children, daughter Claire and son Mitchell. The family we're interested in today is Jay's lawyer son Mitchell and his husband Cameron Tucker who've adopted this Vietnamese daughter Lily Tucker Pritchett and each episode is pretty much self-contained you don't really have follow-on very much and everything's kind of based on real life situations that families might encounter on a daily basis albeit comically exaggerated. Sasha introduce us to uh, your double couches this week Mitch and Cam. Cameron was born and grew up on a farm in Missouri with three human siblings and <laughs> an awful lot of non-human siblings. He does refer to the farm's livestock as his brothers and sisters occasionally. <laughs> but he's also very kind of campy and a bit of a drama queen. Jazz hands. Yeah, he's very jazz hands. Mm. And so he was a music teacher before adopting Lily, but is now a stay-at-home dad. But he also dabbles in music and theatre and sports. He's quite well-rounded in in all senses. Mm. <laughs> Mitch was born in Sacramento. He's got an older sister, Claire, and his family is way more present in the show than Cam's because he still lives close to Claire and her family and to his dad, Jay, his stepmother, Gloria, and stepbrother, Manny, who's only 10. And then we also occasionally see his mum, Dee Dee. She comes to visit. She's also rather problematic. And yeah, when we start the series, Cam and Mitch have been together for five years and have just adopted Lily. 
Mm. And, and early presentations of them both, what, what do you think? Just looking at them visually, I mean, Cam is uh, larger than life, both in terms of his physicality and he kind of makes himself larger. His arms are always out. He's always kind of like filling the room. He takes up a lot of space. And mm. in contrast, Mitch kind of makes himself very small. It's quite interesting just physically seeing Mitch sort of almost as the opposite. He almost like shrinks into himself. So I think one of them is used to being approved of and approves of himself and thinks, yeah, look at me, I'm here, you can't ignore me. And I think the other one possibly is more used to disapproval and wanting to be a bit smaller and a bit more invisible and flying under the radar. That instinct in Mitch, who clearly is the the smaller, quieter, uh, folded in one, means that he doesn't really want conflict. He just wants to stay quiet. He wants Mm. to keep everything nice, whereas Cam just will like run into any sort of situation. And the jobs reflect that. I mean, like I said, Cam, he's into music, he's into sports, he's into just everyone look at me. And Mitch is a lawyer. And I think lawyers sometimes can go into law because it's very controlled. And if they do have to have a conflict, they can do it through the kind of the prism of of the rules and the boundaries and and the paperwork. mm. And you can distance yourself. And I mean, I think one of the very early scenes, you kind of see that difference in in how they handle conflict and how they handle their family. Because when they bring Lily back from Vietnam initially... Mitch has been too scared to even tell his family that they're adopting. I mean, it seems kind of mad to think that he's waiting until she's in the house and in the country. Cam just kind of like bulldozes through that and he just says, oh, I've invited them all for dinner so you can just tell them all tonight. So he kind of makes Mitch confront the family. And like we said, that Cam is is bolder. He's more up for confrontation. What can we speculate about and what do we actually know about the origins of that. I do actually think it's quite relevant that Cam grew up on a farm because I think you can have a sense of just being a bit more closer to nature, that you just let things out and, you know, animals do fight and then they go off and they resolve it and they come back. And we know a lot less about Cam's family, but I get the impression that everything was okay. And yeah, they, everyone let it all They let out. it all out. They had fights. They made it up. Whereas Mitch's family, as we see a lot more of, they kind of keep things in a bit and they're a bit more concerned with appearances. And also we know that Jay and Dee Dee, Mitch and Claire's parents, they did get divorced. So it may well be that Mitch kind of was aware that conflict can lead to, to a breakup. So he might be more frightened of it in that sense. But I think they really operate on different levels of, as well in terms of Mitch seems to work from his head. He thinks things through and Cam seems to work more instinctively. And in, in therapy, we sometimes have a, a very reductionist way of kind of categorizing people into being a feeler or a dealer. Right, one or the other. Yeah, Mitch and Cam sort of epitomize those two polarities, I yeah. think. Cam very much lets it all hang out. He cries, he screams, he gets angry when he needs to. Whereas Mitch is always the one that wants to work it out. He wants to kind of be rational. He wants to be logical. He wants to think things through. Mm. There's positives and negatives of being both those yeah, ways. Yeah, sure. The positives of being somebody who can deal quite well yes. is that you do look like you're coping. You can be quite impressive. You can be quite an achiever, often very successful because you're kind of shutting down all those feelings of terror and overwhelm. And you're just getting shit done. All of our tendencies, if we get too stuck in them, come at a cost. And the price you pay for being being a dealer is that you can be a bit cold, a bit distant, um, 
the feelings haven't gone away just because you're not aware of them. They mm. are still there, but they're so suppressed that they often will then explode out in, in ways that are a bit uncontrollable. Yeah, that's right. Because Cam sort of explodes every day and Mitch explodes once a month. Exactly. It's, it's slightly scarier. It feels very serious. It does, exactly. Because it's had time to build, like you're kind of holding it back, back behind a dam. The only way that the feelings that are there can come out is by like exploding through the dam and just like flooding. Whereas for somebody who is a feeler who are kind of like flooding all, all the time what they need to do is almost like learn how to control the tap yeah dealers need to find a tap <laughs> they need to find a way of letting it out controllably and the feelers need to learn how to kind of turn the tap off occasionally so that they're not constantly letting yeah. it out as we know cam just <laughs> you know he's gonna let it all out if something happens he's gonna run with it mm. i mean there's an episode where he rescues this this crying gardener yeah. and ends up having a wedding at yeah. their house. I mean, like, he takes it so far. Actually, there's a, there's a little snippet of that, that one we got here. Rosa, thank you for Good coming. Asking. Carlos, let me know how it works out with that dentist. Victor, you owe me a dance. Yes, I'm a caring person, and without Mitchell, I would just keep giving and giving and giving. I'm like a big runaway charity truck, and Mitchell is my off-ramp full of safety gravel. He knows how to say no. He always can put himself first. He certainly can turn his back on someone suffering. Um, no, really, keep going. He Don't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually quite a lot. There's a little bit to unpack in that, mm. uh, what, what, that little exchange there. Um, it was uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson you heard there at the end as Mitchell and uh, Eric Stone Street as Cameron um, from season one of Modern Family as episode 12 specifically, which was called Not In My House. Uh, it's created and written by Stephen Levitan and Christopher Lloyd. Additional writing in that particular episode was by Caroline Williams and Samir Gardazi, and it was directed by Chris Koch. Uh, we'll give you full credits for this and all of the clips used as ever at the end of the podcast. Now, what it makes me think when Cam goes all out like he does in that exact episode and how Mitch sort of buttons it all up and, and keeps it in. Can you say that Cameron is the healthier, uh, like, mentally, or is that just complete guff? Well, I wouldn't like to say it's complete guff, <laughs> but n no, it's not necessarily one is healthier than the other. It's like anything, really. We all need to have access to both these things. So if you're more naturally a feeler, like Cam is, the advantage is that you are more warm, you're more empathic. He, as he said, he will run into any situation and try and kind of make it better. He's really in touch with what's going on. But the downsides are that he is then very unboundaried. He can sometimes feel a bit helpless because he can't control this sort of flood of emotions. He can and be I a bit chaotic. Vulnerable as well because everybody yeah. can see, like, look exactly. at this. As always in therapy, you're trying to get people to have access to the other part of them that they don't have. So in therapy with the with somebody who's really good at dealing with things, we'd be endlessly saying, So so what's the feeling? Where can where can you feel this? And a lot of people who are really cut off have no clue, which is part of the problem because if you've very successfully cut yourself off from all those negative feelings for very good reason you're often also cutting yourself off from the pleasurable ones as well. Whereas somebody who's always 
feeling flooded by their emotions and potentially sometimes feeling a bit out of control with them. With them, you're having to sort of say, you know, let's rationally try and bring a bit of cognition in to help mediate. So one is completely unmediated and one is overly mediated. That clip's brilliant because it shows that each of them can help the other one do that, which is sort of goes back to your first question, where, is that healthy in a marriage or is that useful yeah, in yeah. a marriage? Yes, it is, because you can gradually nudge your partner into being the other way. Now, for Mitch, it must have been so hard from the beginning, even before going out into a world that was not necessarily warm towards different sexualities. Like, it would have begun at home for him, because he's got a, a, quite an overbearing older sister. Mm. He's got a narcissistic mum. And a dad who was definitely homophobic. Yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah. So he must have felt really alone with it and, mm. and must have felt very shuttered mm. um, from a very early age. Which means that Mitch, from the start, would have been seeking... I mean, we all seek our parents' approval. Mm. But Mitch would have been seeking it in, in a profound way. Yeah. You know, never got it as a youngster, I don't think. So when we meet Mitchell one of the big sort of kind of painful ongoing stories for him is he is constantly seeking approval Mm. from Jay. We really really, uh, see it laid out uh, in episode seven. So seeing your dad so proud of Manny didn't stir up any resentment? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, you always do this. Instead of letting your feelings out, you bury them, and then they bubble up later in hurtful ways. Okay, you know what? Yes, all right, listen. I might still be holding a little resentment, but that's embarrassing and petty, and it's not a good color on me. It's kind of like you in yellow. You love me in my yellow shirt. It makes you look like the sun. Bubbling. Hurtful bubbling. (laughs) Hurtful bubbling. Hurtful bubbling. (laughs) As I was saying, like, Jay was, in my mind, undoubtedly a homophobe back in the... 70s, 80s, uh, you know, when Mitch would have been in his formative years. But what must that be like? Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I guess for both the, the parent and the child, because one of the things that makes us sort of warm to Jay is that he's learning all the yeah. time, right? He's got this <laughs> new, new son in Manny who's like a wise old man <laughs> that teaches him a lot of stuff about how to treat people. And he's got this very young wife who's obviously like, she doesn't care if you're gay, straight. She's, she's a modern woman. So he is learning now. But I, I just wonder where his head is at now, where Mitch, where Mitch's head would have been as a, as a child, as, as a teenager especially, mm-hmm. and how that, that relationship works when there's something fundamental in the middle that you, the two people, father and son, feel are on opposite sides of the coin. Yeah, I think it's really sad and I think it happens an awful lot that um, parents are, even if they say the opposite, they are secretly a little bit disappointed that their child isn't more like them and children do know it and they do often and again, I think we've talked about this in different permutations, Children are so keen to impress their parents that they will try and kind of like fit their round selves into a square hole in order to to get that approval. And it's a bit like a plant that is growing in rocky soil that has to kind of like divert its course to go around these obstacles. So it'll still grow, but it will grow at a slightly odd angle Mm. because it's trying to pretend it's something it's not. And I think that probably explains a lot of why Mitchell is a bit repressed, like he keeps saying, 
why he doesn't let things out because it's been a bit dangerous for him to because he's scared that he would be disapproved of. Not only has he got Jay slightly disapproving of him and preferring Claire, he's got his mum who is overly enmeshed with him. She's such a big personality as well. She makes him into a, a mummy's boy. She is quite narcissistic. She, We can see, even as an adult, she's using him to do her dirty work when she kind of has a meltdown at Jay and Gloria's wedding. She's only there because she persuaded Mitch to persuade Jay to invite <laughs> yeah. her. And then she persuades Mitch to get her invited to a family dinner so she can apologise, where she then actually has another, you know, attack on Gloria. So... So he's got this kind of overly enmeshed relationship with his mum and this slightly distant relationship with his dad. So, yeah, you can really see that poor lad's got nowhere to go, really, other than say, right, I'm just going to do things by the book. I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to just understand what the rules are. I'm going to be controlled because I can't control either of my parents. So I'm going to control what I can control and be very boundaried. Claire must have been really important for him Mm, at some stage. Yeah. Maybe maybe after he'd come out or, mm, you know, late teens or early 20s or something like that. She must have been really important. Which also must have been quite difficult because she is so mad. Like, yeah. She's controlling in a different way to Mitch, isn't she? Yeah. But he couldn't have found that easy either. No, and she, I mean, she's sort of got the opposite relationship with her parents. So she's very distant from her mum yeah. and very close to her dad. So mm. she's like a daddy's girl. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, actually, her relationship with her mum reminds me a little bit of Monica and Judy Geller, where Judy Geller was always criticising yes. Monica. And Dee Dee also criticises Claire. And in fact, funnily enough, there was a scene that we looked at in our Friends episode with Monica and Judy Geller where Judy's talking about Monica's hair and actually there's a scene where Dee Dee criticises Claire's hair as well so clearly this is like the shorthand for critical mothers go for the hairdo (laughs) hair's clearly a way of we're we're learning something about (laughs) the writing process yes All right. well well, let's take a quick break and afterwards we'll have a look at Dee Dee and Jay in in a bit more detail and, and, and why fitting in is so important to Mitch while standing out appeals to Cam. Plus, how to complement each other as a couple rather than be polarised. All right, so stay stay tuned for that and we'll be back after the ads unless you're a subscriber to the Take channel, in which case we'll see you soon. Uh, actually, here's a, little, here's a little treat for you, a quiz question. Work this out during the ad breaks if you can. If you're a proper modern family nerd, what were the names of Mitchell's childhood pets? Hmm... <laughs> This show is supported by BetterHelp. Uh, now, sometimes you're carrying a weight on your shoulders, but you can't find the right way to open up about it and maybe offload a bit to others. If we keep things bottled up, it can really affect us in a bad way. And therapy is a safe and anonymous place to air whatever's been troubling you. Uh, and I know this personally. It always feels better just to speak your truth. It, it, honestly, you genuinely feel lighter. And the moan can tell you all about feeling light or heavy. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash shrinkthebox today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash shrinkthebox. Hello, it's William and Jordan here from Help, I Sexted My Boss. And on Tuesday, our show at the London Palladium will be streamed live into cinemas. So if you want an evening full of laughs and outrageous problems and dilemmas, then come along and join us on the big screen. 
Health as Sex and My Boss Live is showing everywhere and everyone's welcome. Go to sexatmyboss.com slash cinema to get your tickets now. That's sexatmyboss.com slash cinema. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. All right, we are back. Oh, and the answer to the quiz for the superfans is that Mitchell had a pet snake named Jar Jar Gaboa and a bird named Flyza Manelli. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a, a huge moment where Mitch talks about his process of coming out to his father. And, th- and this is big. You are a funny man. Why? Well, because you're completely bothered by the flowers, but when my father introduces you as a friend of my son, doesn't faze you in the least. Because the florist played me for a fool. Your dad didn't mean any harm. He's just being who he is. Uh, When I was back east in law school, my dad used to call me every Saturday at 6 p.m. I think the Christmas of my second year, I finally got up the courage to tell him. After that, I, I pretty much just talked to my mom. I'm not crying. Mm. It's really sweet, that. And mm. uh, one of the reasons I like Jay is because I do get that sense that he is sort of having a bash at, at changing and growing and, and maturing in his, uh, modernizing his, his, his ideas ab- about the world, about worlds that he doesn't, he recognizes he doesn't understand. Um, and the other thing I love about him is he, he seems to sort of really like Cam, you know, like... In a, in a sort of boy's own way, mm. even though Cam is clearly gay. You <laughs> Far know, more campy than Mitch. Yeah, you know, and way more camp than his own son, but they, he does sort of have a knockabout relationship with Cam. Cam is a fully rounded human being. Like we've said before, he's not just the sort of campy drama queen who loves Diana Ross. <laughs> he is also somebody who loves football so they can watch the match together. He's somebody who likes playing squash and they play squash together. And they do seem to have a genuinely good relationship. But um, I mean, even to the point where, I mean, Jay, clearly he tries so hard not to be the person that he grew up being. When he plays squash with Cam, it's very funny. They're changing in the change room. They accidentally touch bare bottoms together and Jay is <laughs> yeah. completely freaked yeah. out yeah. by it. Um, but then after the match, he's like, no, I'm going to go for this. And then this, uh, he thinks Cameron's behind him and, some, and it's a different bloke. So Jay kind of, they touch bottoms again. And and, and Jay is like, there, see, I'm not bothered. Look, I'm even going to like rub it a bit. And then he turns around and realises <laughs> it's not Cam. So bless him, he does try. But there's a bit as well. And one of the scenes where Jay actually says to Gloria how hard it is to see your kid make a fool of himself. I think he was really worried that for Mitch. I think when it was sort of kind of becoming obvious that Mitch was gay and wanting to do the ice skating and, you know, having pets called Jar Jar Gabor and Flies and Manelli, you can kind of see that maybe he was trying to help Mitch by trying to toughen him up. So mm. maybe that sort of brusqueness and that kind of tough love was his way of trying to help Mitch. I mean, it was Miss 
this guy did, but he probably thought he was doing the right thing. And you can see him really trying with Manny mm. to be the sort of father that he couldn't be yeah. to Mitch. Another thing, it's almost like an Easter egg, is a nice little additional element with Jay is that he's got a group of old buddies, isn't he? Mm. They're all the old, like, drinking buddies. And one of them's clearly gay. Yeah. And yeah. he's just never clocked it. <laughs> yeah. Brilliantly played by Chaz Palminteri, who yeah. is that's an amazing casting in comedy terms because he's only ever played hardcore mobsters, you know, really, really. his whole career. It's what he's known <laughs> for. Italian-American, hard man, mobsters. So it's really, it's an extra little gag <laughs> that he's, he's, uh, he's the gay one of, of the crew. And Jay just doesn't clock it, which is is another nice little thing. And you just get the sense that somewhere along the line, Jay's just going to com- be completely mm-hmm. accepting. Now, how does Mitch feel the fact that there is no sort of traditional, and I'm going to put this in massive inverted commas before everyone, mm-hmm. like kicks me in the nuts <laughs> and runs off screaming, he's cancelled. No mother figure in a, a marriage of two men mm. raising a kid, who's also, by the way, female. Yeah, well, they sort of addressed that elephant in the room right from episode one, because even before Mitch has announced Lily's arrival, he says, oh, I've got some big news. Jay says something like, oh, God, I hope it's not a baby. A kid needs a mother, which does sort mm. of set up so many things of, yes, Jay's kind of old-fashionedness. But also it is something that Cam and Mitch do worry about. At one point they take Lily to a paediatrician and actually they make one of their their slightly racist comments about because the paediatrician is also Asian I think she's like she's definitely Korean but she's all I don't know what she's but she's not Vietnamese and they keep saying so what would this be how would you pronounce this in your culture she's like I'm from Denver (laughs) and to kind of make up for it they invite her around for dinner and while she's there and she's holding Lily and Lily says the word mummy and they can't bear it and they're like this is every gay father's nightmare to think that your daughter's first word is is mummy and is she missing out and later of course it's a mix-up and it turns out that it's her doll that she loves that if you press it it says mummy so she's learned it from that but they do think oh goodness will we be able to be everything she needs but of course it doesn't have to be a female character that acts as a mum of course a baby wants warmth and hugs and love and approval doesn't have to be a woman that provides that. Many people have their dad as their warm, affectionate, secure attachment figure and their mum as the sort of cold disciplinarian, even in a traditional family. So yes, two men can quite happily bring up a baby as long as they're warm and yes, loving. And the So it's the role rather than the, the gender. But nevertheless, you know, they are concerned about how they present as parents. They take uh, Lily to play school and Mitch asks Cam to like sort of basically dress less camp, Mm. you know, because he doesn't want to just be looked at as, oh, the gay dads. Mm. But but then some other gay dads actually turn up, which is amazing. Uh, We we, we got a clip from that episode. Come on, let's just go. Oh, look who's here. Anton and Scott. Sorry, we're late. Don't look at me. The eye candy here can't leave the house without spending 20 minutes in front of the mirror. Are you kidding me? I am so sorry. Look at those queens. I would have killed with this crowd, but you had to clip my wings, which you used to be the wind beneath. I know, I'm sorry. This class has turned me into a complete monster. I'm, I just, I'll make it up to you. Let's just go. Okay, it's time for parents dance. Everybody dance for your baby. You want to do it, don't you? I do. I want to dance for my baby. 
All right, go on. Get in there. Sure. Make that horsey move. Go ahead. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. It's one of those shows where you sometimes check yourself. I mean, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this show going, how could you have a, an opinion on, you know, what it's like to be gay or as a gay parent when you're straight or whatnot? And I'm not trying to say I'm an expert on any of it, but I think, like, as stereotypical perhaps as some of the things might feel, I feel like there's a lot of balance. Everybody puts their foot in it in an equal way. Yeah. Whether gay, straight, white, black, whatever it's about, mm. you know, it's it's all there. And as we've said from probably episode one of Shrink the Box, what we love about good writing is that good writing knows mm. when it's uh, showing you something that might be problematic, might be sexist, might be racist, might be homophobic. It knows it's doing it. And bad writing doesn't. Um. Well, yeah, because also there's the, so much more debate now about who can play what. And Eric Stone Street, who yeah, plays that's Cam, the, that's what is I'm yeah, he got is, grief for that. yeah, he did. I mean, I did a sort of very unscientific, quick straw poll um, of of my gay friends to say how much does it bother you, and all of them said it doesn't bother me at all. He's brilliant in in the role, and because it's a very sensitive portrayal, um, they kind of think that's okay. Because it was then. But, but also, um, he's not the only gay character. If I was watching a show and it had one black person in it, I'd be way more critical mm. than if every time I saw that black person, there was another black person who was completely different yeah. in the same scene. I'm, I'm way more accepting there because I'm, then I'm like, oh, well, the writers have clocked that we don't all just do this one thing. Do you know what I mean? One of my big uh, things that makes my, my heart bulge with joy with this show and your analysis of these two characters is that they, they they really clash and they find their the mistakes that they've made within that clash and they balance each other out beautifully Mitch has in, in many ways felt slightly ashamed of being who he is and Cam is just so naturally himself and Mitch tries to rein him in we, we see that with you know um, the clip we just heard he tried to make him be less gay at, at playgroup and in fact the very first scene where they are introducing Lily to the family we've seen Mitch be all mealy mouthed and, and, and a bit kind of oh my god how, how will my family react whereas Cam like comes in like to the music of the Lion King and like presents her um, and and Mitch says to him can you just sort of turn it off meaning the music and Cam says I can't turn it off it's who I am <laughs> and, the, that's the, and that's why I think they're so great together it's like Mitch is always trying to say look just tone it down and Cam is always saying I can't I can't but actually they do tone each other down Cam encourages Mitch to loosen up live to little, dance yeah. to you know be a bit more yeah live a little exactly that there's another scene that I think shows why they work as opposites but also as opposites who are prepared to change a little bit where they accidentally lock Lily in the car and Mitch goes straight into dealer mode right let's get onto the phone to the car company let's see if they can open this remotely whereas Cam goes straight into feeler mode and like runs around screaming with a bin over his head he picks up a bin and he's going to like throw and break break the, the, the windshield and Mitch is like no no you'll hurt her if you do that and in fact Cam's screaming so loudly that the woman at the car place that Mitch is on the phone to says um, is your wife alright and he's like that's not a woman 
screaming. Um, so in times of crisis, they literally go to their, their safe place. Mm-hmm. Mitch is going to deal with it rationally and get on the phone. Cam is going to deal with it as a feeler by screaming and getting hysterical. And actually, they manage to, between them, they sort of solve the problem. So yeah, opposites attract and you can completely outsource the thing that you don't want to do. But actually, you can also gently be nudged and teased and slightly pushed out of your comfort zone so that you don't have to rely on them. Also, one of the the hidden benefits is you don't get that horrible situation of like, well, I married this guy despite these things that I hate about him. But give me like 20 years. (laughs) I'll soften those edges. I'll change him. I'll get him doing what I want him to do. I'll get him to be more like Mm. me. I'll get him to do things the way I want them done. Mm. Maybe that's one of the great beauties of, of Cam and Mitch. That they, they allow each other to be different and they allow for each other to, to grow and change. Yeah, they really do. I mean, I often think that if that people who are getting together, you have to assume if this is the worst, if it's never going to get any better, is this good enough? Mm. Because if you kind of think, oh, it's it will be okay if, just as you've said, then you're always going to be disappointed if they don't change. If you think this is as good as it gets, then it can only be a bonus if mm. things do change. But I think with any of these, like, categorizing people into feelers or dealers or like, you know, introvert or extrovert or, or you know, all the other ways that we've looked at contrasting characters in, in other episodes. It's not so much saying, oh, well, this is who I am and therefore you have to accept it and therefore I never have to change because then you just get stuck. Nor is it about saying, oh, this is who I am and I hate it and I have to go to the other extreme and completely shut down those bits of me. It's about understanding your starting point so that you can know how do I optimise these qualities that I've got? How do I put them to good use? Mm. So it's about fulfilling your potential really and that might be by harnessing the qualities that you do have or it might be modifying them a bit yeah fair enough all right well plenty of life lessons in there for you guys out there and you guys out there thank you for keeping your correspondence and it still does keep rolling in and we really appreciate it you know what to do just uh, hit us up with your character suggestions and comments to shrink the box at sonymusic.com this week we've got chris in london says, hey, Ben and Sash, thank you, thank you for my favourite new podcast for a very long time. I'd be fascinated to see one of the three siblings from This Is Us on the couch. I was a big fan of This Is Us. Did you Mm. ever watch it? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. It's sort of soapy, Mm. but there is something in it. Mm. There's definitely something in it. And and the blended family element is interesting Mm. too. Um, Sorry, Chris. He says, uh, my wife's a social worker who's done a lot of systemic family therapy. And we found the show really engaging. We'll be fascinated to see what's under the psychological bonnet of Randall's character, especially. He's the black kid who was mm. adopted, right? Um, with his desire to save the world. And as a writer-performer, I'd love to know more about Kevin's gravitation towards performing. Mm. Also, if I can chuck in another suggestion, it would be one of the Simpsons. Mm. Yes. We did defo. talk about that, didn't defo. we? <laughs> uh, keep up the beautiful work from Chris Reed in London. Quick aside on This Is Us. Mm. The only thing I didn't like about it was everybody's ripped. Everybody. Why is everybody ripped? (laughs) Well, the men are. The The men, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, (laughs) Randall, I can't remember what his job was, but he wasn't a lifeguard. He's like a lawyer or something, no. (laughs) And then he'd just be, like, stripped to the waist. Every episode, he'd come down for breakfast, stripped to the waist, or come off the treadmill. Yeah. It's like, uh... Nah. He's got, like, muscles popping out of his shoulders. (laughs) It's unnecessary. Anyway, other than that, I liked it. Who's this from? Connor. Connor says, hey, Ben and Sash, love the podcast. Something different. 
and also a great way to find new interesting series to watch. Left field suggestion from me, Mark Corrigan from Peep Show, or indeed Jez. Complex characters with a lot to unpack over the scope of the show for a sitcom. Appreciate you usually do one series. Thanks from Connor. I think Mark, I don't know about Jez, but Mark Corrigan I would love to do. Mm. He's an unbelievable character. Mm. That that The element of him getting married out of guilt and embarrassment <laughs> is just unbelievable. Like there's something so disturbingly British about that moment. Yeah. That I was just like, <laughs> that needs talking about. That's really fucking dark. Anyway, thank you, Connor. Thank you, Chris. And thank you to everybody who emailed us this week. And hopefully we'll pick out two or three of your best emails next week. In the meantime, do make sure you follow us wherever you get your pods, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, you know the deal. And you can get new episodes and share the love with your friends. Send it around and we'll make some more for you. And if you want to listen to Shrink the Box with no ads, just subscribe to Extra Takes. Your subscription's going to get you the ad-free episodes of this and Kermode and Mayo's Take and access to their subscriber-exclusive extra episodes. So try the free trial. Give it a bash. Nothing to lose. You can click try free at the top of the Shrink the Box page on Apple Podcasts or by visiting extratakes.com. Thank you to our wonderful production team. Production management is Lily Hambly. Assistant producer is Bashak Ayrton. Social media is Jonathan Imieri. Studio engineer is Gully Tickle. And the mix engineer is John Scott. The senior producer is Selena Reem. And exec producer is Simon Paul. And Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment production. Now... My favourite part of the show, the drum roll section. Sasha, who we got next week? Started off on Channel 4, had two seasons, was loved by many, but then got dropped. And Netflix, in their wisdom, chose to recommission it. It came back as Top Boy, and the previous Channel 4 series was called Top Boy, renamed Top Boy Summerhouse to distinguish. Right. So they're in sort of in two separate chunks. But we're going to look at the first series of the later... Ah, so we're cheating but not cheating. Yeah. Because this is season one, sort of, of mark Netflix two. One. Yes, exactly. Of so Top Boy. It, exactly. So it's a little bit confusing. So it's not Top Boy Summerhouse, the original one. It's just Top Boy, the Netflix version. And the reason we're looking at it is because I really like Jamie, played by the oh, magnetic yeah. Michael, Michael Ward, Ward, who wasn't in the earlier ones. Jamie comes into his own in the Netflix version. So have a listen to the trailer. I know London. Pay a lot of money to get high. Dark, white, weed, all of that. Do you get me? Came from the mud and the trenches, running and hopping the fences. Fresh out the pen like a sentence. I shouldn't know. Get your makeup. How about this connect? If we do this, we're back on top. What are you saying? Hey, Sully's back on Summer House, you know. Guess who he's with? The Shane Hill. They're shutting. They got food, you know. We're back, bro. Things have changed. I'm running the first night. Nah, fuck that. Ain't nobody gonna try trouble with Summer House. Jamie, yeah? Let me give you a piece of advice. You're here to get mine. You want to sell food, you sell my food. You don't sell nothing at all. 
Mm, yes. It's our very own gangster series. This is like a kind of seminal moment for me, Top Boy, because, you know, we often do the, you know, get the shooter out of the van kind of British gangster stuff in the UK. But to have like a kind of almost exclusively black cast set in Hackney, my former stomping grounds where I lived for many, many, many years to see all those streets that I miss so much, filled with this sort of, it's almost like a hyper real drama. I know that crazy stuff does go on. Top Boy is, you know, it takes it to the extremes in a, in a very entertaining fashion. But on top of that, to have the cast made up of so many uh, rappers that, you know, I either came came up with or came up admiring, like Kano and Ashley Waters, who was obviously, you know, in the So Solid crew, for those who remember that. Like, these are these are guys that changed the game in terms of uh, black British music. And then you've got, you know, the, the, the more newer school, like Lil Sims is in it, Dave is in it. There's like rap royalty, UK rap royalty in this series, which gives it an extra bit of intrigue for me. But I'm just glad that it's really popular because even though it does have a lot of outrageous violence and, and ridiculous stuff happening, I just think it's cool for 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 kids to be able to see just a, a like a black British series, just like unapologetic. It's just like here's a big black blockbuster because mm. we don't get that very often, yeah. definitely not in the UK. Well, I'm, I'm glad you felt like there was something in it to dig deeper into, though. Oh, I just think they're all such great characters, but also you just... I mean, it's heartbreaking just to see kind of what they were all up against, really, and you mm. get a real sense of that that echelon of society and, and how hard it is to make a living. But, yeah, all of those amazing musicians are such good actors yes, as man, well. Yeah. You would never know that they had this other incredible talent because you, they're just... <laughs> seem to be such natural born actors as yeah, well I they're mean, fabulous Kano really yeah like, just face. gets better and better yeah. and better as, as we go along you know the way he becomes a sort of father figure to that little mm. that little squirt that he, yeah. he sort of uh, uh, takes under his wing his face is so expressive um, he yeah, says unbelievable. so much so yeah we're cheating we're doing season one that is technically season three but not really it's the Netflix season one don't miss it I'll be here, Sasha will be here, and we'll be enjoying it very much. I hope you will too. So we'll see you there next week. Bye. Ta-da. Okay, as promised, it's time for the Modern Family Credits, season one. It was created and written by Stephen Levitan and Christopher Lloyd, but not that one, disappointingly. The clip at the top and the clip at the end about being the only gay couple at nursery... They're from episode two, entitled The Bicycle Thief. Additional writing was by Bill Rubel and Samir Gardezi, directed by Jason Weiner. Mitchell Getting Jealous of Manny is episode seven, named On Guard. Additional writing by Danny Zucker, directed by Randall Einhorn. Modern Family is produced by Levitan, Lloyd, and 20th Century Fox Television. It's distributed by ABC, Amazon, Disney, Netflix, Disney+, and many more worldwide. Go to justwatch.com for more details. Thanks for listening, guys, and see you next week.